It's Doc Shock, your addiction lifeguard podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jacques Bruker, psychologist, therapist, and addiction specialist. Join me as we talk about all the stuff related to addiction and how to keep you from drowning in the sea of misery in your addiction. So join me and let's stop the madness and all the craziness. So let's learn some things about recovery and saving your life. Hey, people, if you are suffering from addiction and you need help, get professional help. Don't try to take this on yourself. You're probably going to fail miserably at trying to recover. Get the good start that you need by going to a residential treatment program. Bridging the Gaps is a really good program to get a good start on your recovery. Remember, residential treatment's not the cure. It is the beginning. They have a good program that is foundational to recovery because they really do look at the roots of addiction, not just the behavior. And their program is a multi-dimensional program that has a step-down process that will guide you from residential through IOP and sober living. They've got a complete program. It's located in downtown historic Winchester, Virginia, a small community, but they have a tight-knit recovery community in Winchester. So if you really do need a good program that will give you a good start, I really do recommend Bridging the Gaps in Winchester, Virginia. You can reach them by phone, 540-306-5280, or you can find them on the internet at bridgingthegaps.com. Call them today and get that good head start that you need to get into recovery. They're there to help you. You know, while doing these podcasts, it's fun and entertaining, and that's what they're meant for, is for information and entertainment. But if you do actually need real medical help, do not rely on this podcast to be that source, because it's not. It's for information and entertainment. So if you really do need real medical attention, go get it. Wherever you are in the world and listening to this podcast, if you really need immediate help, go to the hospital. Go to the emergency room. If you are at risk of overdose or you are extremely ill and sick and confused and not knowing where to go, your local hospital is one of the best places to go. If you need ongoing treatment, please go to a residential treatment program or reach out to a professional like myself and make an actual appointment and go see that person. You can reach out to me. You can find me through my website, wellspringmindbody.com, and I can guide you to where you would need to go. But don't just rely on podcasts and information through books or magazines. If you really do need help, go get it. It's out there for you. You don't have to hide. And it's always available. And cost is never a factor. You can get free help. You can pay a lot of money for help. But it's all good and it's all help. So go get it. So today, let's cover resistance. Why are people so resistant to getting help? What is that all about? You know, I spend a lot of time going over the steps with people in my office or I talk to them out just in the general public. They, they're confused if they don't know what the steps are. And I know a lot of people have issues with the 12-step process because of the whole 
God talk, and there's a lot of resistance to that sometimes. I, I get it. But, you know, help is something that is needed, but it's not wanted. And that's the problem. And people um, will come into my office or I'll get a call on the phone from a family member and they'll say, they really need help. I'm like, yeah, they do need it. But do they want it? No, they don't. And that's the problem, is we are stuck on this idea that you have to want help before you can get it. And I hear that people say that, especially people who are not in recovery, who really don't understand the whole process of recovery. They think the person will want it. And generally, they don't. They really don't want to get help. They don't want to get sober. And so the old, you know, if we put it down into uh, translating it into what does that mean for the person? You know, the person who's addicted, they're dying. They've got a condition that is killing them. And sometimes it's pretty immediate and sometimes it's longer term before it gets to that point. Depends on your drug of choice. Fentanyl is going to kill quick. Uh, Crystal meth, crack, alcohol, they're going to kill you slow. But you're going to be dead either way. But they don't. That's not part of the picture. And that's what everybody thinks. Oh, oh, they're dying. We've got to save them. Well, the person doing the drugs and alcohol, they don't really care. They just want to get high. So the loved one gets all in a Twitter. Tw- uh, Twitter. <laughs> they all get in a twist about it. And, you know, um, I want help. No, I don't want help. I need help. And so I kind of look at it like there's two things that you can do. You get to a fork in the road where you decide you're going to get help. I want it or I need it. And generally, you're not going to get to the point where it's I want it until you've reached the point where you need it. And that really is all coming down to one fact that something has happened and it's one thing too many that you're possibly going to lose. And that can be freedom, housing, employment, money, job, relationships, or life. And it's, it's those seven things. Those seven factors will get you to the point where you need help. Because you don't want to lose that thing. And sometimes uh, we lose some of those along the way. It's just one that's one too many. Sometimes it's freedom, sitting in jail. I've had a lot of clients talk to me about times when they were sitting in jail and they looked around and they were playing cards at a table with three or four or five other people and they realize, whoa, uh, this is who I'm with now. This isn't what it was supposed to be. This is not how my life was supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be sitting in a room with these people that I can't leave. And that's one thing too many. Sometimes they wake up in the hospital and they've got tubes sticking in their arms and a tube down their throat because they've been intubated. And that was one thing too many. Sometimes it's a relationship. You know, it's all those things. It could be any, any one of those things. But you may lose those things, some of those things along the way. Uh, my experience in working with people typically... Employment tends to be one that they lose uh, pretty quickly or freedom. And those those two seem to be the ones that happen quickly uh, or early, rather. Maybe not quickly, but early. So they lose their job or they uh, lose their freedom. And losing your job then is a cascading effect and a domino effect. And you immediately go from that to uh, housing. Uh, you might have your car repoed. Typically, people try to hold on to that before they lose their housing. But 
um, that's one of the problems in the last year and a half is that uh, we didn't have a situation where you couldn't get evicted. So I've got a lot of people that have been sitting for a year, year and a half without paying rent, and they weren't employed, and their landlord could not kick them out, couldn't turn on the turn off the utilities or whatever because that's not legal either. So that's been kind of taken off the table. But those those early things might be the ones that they tolerate, and their life starts going downhill. And the people who are around the addict are confused and upset, and they want to try to rush in and help, but they, they don't know what to do. So they start paying rent. They start paying the mortgage. They start giving, you know, the safe harbor issues that just perpetuate the problem. So I need help. I need help. And they, when somebody comes into my office and they say they need help, that's a good sign. And I always look at them and I'm like, do you want help? And they kind of stop before the answer. And I'm thinking to myself, no, they don't really want help, but I know they need it. So we'll go with that. But it doesn't make a lot of sense to others who are watching it happen. Why do they keep doing this? Why do they keep falling into this trap? And it is a trap. Uh, this spiral, the trap spiral of addiction as it goes down and down. So needing help is really where it begins, not wanting it. So if you're listening to this and you're a loved one of somebody who's an addict and you're really confused about what's going on, you can't wait for them to need help. Or I'm sorry, you can't wait for them to want it. They, it's, it's, it's not ever going to happen. That's a, that's a pipe dream. So moving away from the idea that the person wants help is primary. And if you, ha if you are an addict, just understand that I know, and hopefully others around you will figure it out. You're not ever going to get to the point where you want help initially. That's not going to get you there needing it. And so that idea, if we put it in context of the 12 steps, um, that's step one. I'm powerless, right? The addiction is more powerful than I am. And that's where you get to the point where you need help because you feel powerless. I've lost control. I've lost control of my, I can't, I can't go outside because I'm locked up in this cell or I, I, I'm in the hospital. Um, people won't talk to me. I've lost my housing, whatever. <laughs> I'm outside too much. So do you, do you really need help? Yes, you do. So when the person gets to the point where they need it, that's because they've really suffered. And that's part of the issue, too, for those of you who are listening, who are loved ones of addicts. you got to stop with the safety net stuff. Stop it. That's not helping anything. When you give them the cushion that keeps them from hitting that bottom, that point where they need the help, you're doing nothing but prolonging the situation to where they're going to continue doing this, and, and it's going to be frustrating to you. What's the old saying? I'm trying to teach a pig to dance and it just irritates the pig and frustrates you or frustrates the pig and irritates you i don't know which one but it's one or the other either way it's not going to work so you need help and sometimes needing it means suffering almost always it does that person's going to suffer you're going to end up suffering it's what are you going to end up suffering when indignities or or horrible Traumas are you going to suffer before you realize you need help? And then you start asking for it. And it's okay to ask for it. And it's okay to ask when you actually are at the point where you need it. But now shame and embarrassment is kicked in and you don't want to ask because you're embarrassed because you've lost your job or you ended up in jail or whatever. Now you've been shamed publicly. And that's too bad because that's really where it starts to happen. So step one in the 12-step process is I've lost control of my life 
And the addiction really is more powerful than I am, and it's starting to kill me or to destroy my life, and that's not a good place. So if you've gotten to that point where you're step one, man, you got to reach out for help. Go ahead and reach out for it. It's there. Check into a detox. Do something. But stop with the shame nonsense. It's it's just it's not a good look. And it's a, and it's a horrible thing. It just perpetuates your addiction. I'm powerless. Yeah, you are powerless. So lean on something more powerful than you to get you to that place where you can get into recovery. So step one, this addiction is more powerful than I am. And it's starting to take things away from me. And I don't want to lose those. So that's when you need help. And that converts slowly once you start that slowly. And that's the, the operative word there. Slowly moving you towards wanting help. But make no mistake. There's a lot of resistance along the way. And it's that resistance that you got to overcome. And I'm going to help you overcome it. Another treating professional who specializes in addiction will help you overcome it. Maybe your family can help you overcome it. Certainly people who are sponsors can help you because they've been through that. And people who are in recovery get it. They get it. So get, get the help by recognizing that you need it. And stop being so arrogant. <laughs> Don't be so arrogant. It's not a shameful thing to have a disease that is out of your control. People don't get ashamed when they have a heart attack. They just kind of start soldiering through it and being brave and taking on those things necessary for recovery. What I'd like uh, to, after this break, um, talk about how to access that help when you feel like you need it and and how, how exactly do you do that. Keep listening. I'll be right back. Hey, if you're struggling in your marriage and part of the problem is intimacy and sex and infidelity, maybe, or pornography, I've got a great podcast suggestion for you. My friends Dave and Ashley Willis host a great podcast called The Naked Marriage. They bring wisdom, vulnerability, and humor to even the toughest marriage topics. Together, they have built a strong following, reaching millions of married couples through their books, their blogs, their videos. Their podcast undresses the truth about sex, intimacy, and lifelong love in a marriage. A Christian faith-based podcast that is really entertaining. The Naked Marriage can be found on any of the podcast platforms that you listen to, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the ones that you're listening to this one on. Dave and Ashley Willis, The Naked Marriage Podcast. See if listening doesn't give you some help in your marriage and you know what listen as a couple or by yourself either way you're going to get a lot out of it so how do you get help when you need help not when you want help but when you need help well, one of the easiest things you can do is today, thanks to the coronavirus uh, and all the pandemic stuff, go online. See if you can find a meeting of some type. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is. Could be, um, could be Smart Recovery. Could be AA, NA, SA. There's lots of A's out there. But find a meeting and go to it, and you can go completely anonymously. You can log in. You don't have to even use your your first name even you can just go in anonymously into meetings and you don't you're not restricted by location you don't have to go to your local meeting you can do a meeting anywhere that your language is spoken doesn't matter what country it's in canada 
United States, uh, if you're speaking English, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, England, I don't know, anywhere. Any language you speak, you can go to a meeting. And go to that meeting and sit there in that room and test it out. Put your training wheels on. You know what? Part of the, the obstacle usually is shame, embarrassment, and um, sadness that you have to show up there. But if you can familiarize yourself with the meeting, then you're not going to be so paralyzed when you actually go to a real meeting in person. And it takes the stigma out of it also. And you kind of understand what it's all about. You understand the process. Um, There's all kinds of different meetings and they all have their own little ways of being conducted. Uh, Whoever's chairing the meeting, running the meeting, it's usually got some methodology that they're following that's going to help you get through the meeting and, and understand. And so go to some, take the stigma out of it. I'll tell you something else. If you're really, really in need of help, um, you can talk to somebody on the phone by calling for help. It doesn't matter if it's through a counselor in private practice, such as myself or somebody else that's an expert in recovery. And that's the key is expertise in recovery because not everybody who's a clinician is an expert in recovery. It's a very specialized field. Uh, not to disparage my colleagues, but a lot of them will take on an addict and they have no idea how to actually treat the addict. So uh, sometimes it's more harmful than helpful. So make sure you're contacting somebody that actually is an expert in the field, is trained in it, and knows what they're doing. And you can do that. Um, In this country, we have Psychology Today. The Directory for Psychology Today is probably the biggest uh, resource that's available. It's certainly the longest one out there uh, that's been in existence. But you can look for somebody online through that resource or through other resources and find somebody that you can talk to. But get the help. So but make sure it's competent help making somebody understand um, addiction and how to work through that addiction. A lot of times is based on the clinician, the person that you're talking to or the, the, the person who's a sponsor um, or somebody in a meeting or a friend who's been through recovery. Well, everybody knows somebody who's gotten through recovery uh, uh, through their addiction and is in recovery. Reach out to them. Trust me, anybody who's in recovery that you know is not going to be judgmental of you. They're going to be accepting of you. They're actually going to want to help you. They're not judging you. There's no embarrassment there. And embarrassment is the big paralysis. That's the thing that stops everybody from moving forward in their recovery, sadly. So you can, if you know somebody, a friend, a coworker, an acquaintance, somebody that you know um, that is in recovery, you know what? Just ask them, hey, how did you get clean or sober just ask them that question and as soon as you ask that question they're going to understand what's going on and they're going to want to help you if you go to somebody who is uh, in recovery and they can guide you through the process then that's half the job right there but don't let embarrassment get you don't let shame get you those are the big traps. Those are the those are the things that will trap you into not being in recovery. So you have to reach out to somebody and find the person to reach out to that's actually wanting to help you or can help you, has the knowledge, the experience, the expertise, something. You're not going to get in recovery just because you bought a book or you listened to a podcast or you went to an online meeting. You're not going to get into recovery that way. 
It's a turning yourself over process. Turning yourself over means being vulnerable, being able to say, I need help. That's and, and, and and trusting those that you're turning yourself over to, to be able to get you through that process or to at least enter you into the process. But turning yourself over, as we say in recovery, is turning yourself over to a higher power. Now, my own personal view about higher power may be different than other people's. I, I'm, you know, everybody has their own issue, uh, not issue, but their own view on that. So turning yourself over to a higher power really in that initial stage is really turning yourself over to the person who can tell you what to do, even when you don't want to do it. So that higher power is the one that you're going to listen to and take that direction. So reaching out to somebody who is in recovery, that's a version of higher power. My personal view is I'm turning myself over to God and he's kind of giving me that strength and direction and putting those people in in my path that can help me get there. And, and if you ask for that, then you'll have those people put in your path. You may not want to hear what they have to say. You may try to avoid them. However, that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to turn away from that offering of that, that help. That, that higher power is directing those people in your path. And you're choosing to ignore them. Or to walk away. Or to dismiss them. Or to reject them. And that's when, that's when you start losing out. So turning yourself over to a higher power in the presence of someone who is in recovery can be gratefully, gratefully, gratefully can be tremendously helpful. Turning yourself over to a higher power inside takes a long time because it doesn't feel safe. You're not secure. Undoubtedly, you've gotten some things in your life that has caused you to want to use, which is usually trauma, in my experience. But uh, you don't have to be afraid of turning yourself over to a higher power if you trust. And for me, it's trusting in God. God's going to give you those directions. For someone who's not a Christian, not walking in faith, turning yourself over to a higher power of somebody who can guide you. Let them guide you. They want for you what they have and what they have is sobriety and you don't have it and you're not going to know how to get it because you're not an expert in that they are the person who's already done it they're the expert you're the amateur you're the expert at at, at addiction they're the expert at recovery so if i want to be if i want to learn how to be a a fentanyl addict i'm going to go find a fentanyl addict who can help me do that well the same thing is true in recovery if you want to get into recovery you're going to find somebody who's an expert in recovery to help you with that First and foremost, it is doing something that somebody else is telling you to do, especially when you don't want to do it. That's the time to do it. So trusting, but it is releasing inside of you that arrogance, that anger, that 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 thing that you, you want to take that addiction and take it to the next level. You have to turn your back on that idea and turn towards the recovery And it is scary and it's hard because that's your coping mechanism. But let me tell you something. It doesn't work. That coping mechanism will not work. It has not worked and that's why you need help. You need that help. Your coping mechanism is failing you. So let's get another one. Let's get into recovery, shall we? And let's not let addiction take one more life. Not one more life. There's been enough destruction 
with addiction so far, and it needs to stop. So that's my podcast for today. I hope you enjoyed listening. And if you have a need for help, feel free to contact me through my website, wellspringmindbody.com. I am Dr. Jacques de Brukert, your addiction lifeguard here on the beach of life, trying to help you. And remember, no matter how many times you fall down, it really doesn't matter. What really matters is how many times you get up. And all you've got to do is get up that one last time to walk to recovery. So join me in recovery. It's an awesome feeling, and I'll catch you next time on Doc Shock, your addiction life. Thanks for listening.